Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. Today, I'm going to talk about some of the statistics regarding physical activity and inactivity and chronic diseases. I think you might be uh, surprised and maybe even alarmed by some of the statistics. Before I get to that, let me thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 285 star reviews on Zillow. And when I need any real estate help at all, they're my go-to. They can be reached at thegildengroup.com. All right, so let me give you some statistics and then we will talk about these as we go. And I say talk about these because I'm going to talk at you, but you know, a lot of you or some of you, I should say, give me feedback and ask questions later. And I would hope that you would. So that's a good thing. All right, so here's the first statistic. Nearly half of the United States adults 46% to be exact, do not meet the recommendations for aerobic physical activity. And by the way, that is a minimum of 150 minutes of moderate activity a week. All right. So 46% of our population do not do that. Nearly one third, 30% report doing less than 10 minutes of moderate to vigorous exercise per week. 30% of our population will not do 10 minutes of physical activity per week. All right. So let that statistic sink in a little bit. Now, another estimate suggests that individuals spend almost eight hours a day in sedentary behaviors. That's what we focused our email on today. Eight hours a day in sedentary behavior. 24% of adults engage in zero leisure physical activity at all. All right. So that's the first part of the statistics. It's showing basically how inactive we are and now what this can potentially do to us. I mean, I think everybody often focuses on vanity, which is, you know, okay. If it gets you exercising and moving, then it's a good thing. But a lot of people focus on vanity. A lot of people focus on weight loss and a lot, which is the same thing in many regards. And a lot of people focus on sports performances. You see people that engage in sports being the most physically active. And that is a good thing, but we forget, or maybe we just don't know that physical activity alone, regardless of weight loss, is related, correlated to our health, all right? So physical inactivity causes 6% of the burden of disease from coronary heart disease, 7% from type 2 diabetes, 10% of breast cancer, 10% of colon cancer. Inactivity causes 9% of premature mortality, and more than 5.3 million of the 57 million deaths that occurred worldwide in 2008. And by the way, I have all these statistics. If anybody wants a copy of these, I can email them to you. Very easily done. 
I think knowing information maybe helps us and maybe it will help people that you know that are inactive, but that's pretty alarming, right? So now let's look at some of the financial costs to all this. Globally, fiscal inactivity costs healthcare systems $54 billion, productivity losses of $14 billion, $13.4 million of disability-adjusted life years. All right? So through illness and disability, that's how much this costs us as a country. All right. Now, this might be part of the problem, but I think too often we like to blame medical care. But this statistic I found to be pretty interesting. 40% of the U.S. primary care physicians and 36% of medical students do not meet the physical activity guidelines. Inactive physicians, now this is what the ACSM is saying, it's a little bit of an opinion here, but I will agree. Inactive physicians are less likely to provide exercise counseling to patients and are less credible role models for the adoption of healthy behaviors. Again, that's opinionated based on the statistics of how few, basically 40% of primary care doctors don't meet the activity requirements and 36% of med students don't do it. You might say to that, well, you know, they're so busy in school. And again, you, we have to go back to what the recommendations are. We're talking 150 minutes per week. That's 30 minutes, five times a week, or that could even be spread out. Nobody even said it had to be all at once. That can be like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. You can't tell me that people that are going into the, the uh, position of saving lives and preventing disease can't take that amount of time to do it. I mean, I understand. I know many of people that went to med school. I know it's difficult, but I just have a hard time believing that they can't find that kind of time. So I think really... In my opinion, again, this gets opinionated again, but that's more of a priority issue. Like, you know, maybe we just don't believe in it enough. And I think one of the problems is that we only think of exercise often in regards to weight loss and we think in regards to vanity reasons. When in reality, studies have shown, and remember, this had nothing to do with obesity. This had everything to do with physical inactivity. Now, if if you know anything and you've been listening to this podcast at all, you know that exercise and diet is going to help you lose weight. So when you throw the statistics of losing weight on top of this, all these numbers get even better, right? But I don't want to focus on that right now because too many people get wrapped up in weight loss when in reality, just physical activity is a lifesaver, a lifesaver. And these statistics are bearing it out. A lot of people don't even associate cancer with physical inactivity. But the studies are showing that it is related, especially with breast cancer, especially with colon cancer. And this particular study didn't point it out, but I've seen it in other American College of Sports Medicine studies, prostate cancer. So physical activity is something that we're really born to do and must continue to do. So I don't really buy the fact with the young medical students that they don't have the time, all right? Now, 
probably very few of them listen to this podcast, so we won't spend a lot of time on that. I know physicians do. And I know that the physicians that I've interviewed on this show really value exercise. The uh, last one we had on, Dr. Frick, the psychiatrist, he talked about his own physical activity program. He goes above and beyond those numbers. He surpasses those 150 minutes per week. And he also does a lot more vigorous exercise versus moderate exercise than he necessarily has to, but it's part of his lifestyle. And he talks about how he passes that on to his patients. He talks about how maybe some of the medications they have to be on could potentially cause weight gain. So he counters that with trying to get them to be physically active. And that's really what this last statistic is showing, is that if a physician is more likely to do it themselves, they're more likely to pass it on. Previous to that, we had Dr. Buchanan on the show, who is a definite advocate of exercise. He works out with me, as does Dr. Frick. And um, she, she does rowing. She does crew. She walks. She bikes. She lifts on her own. I mean, she's a, she's a model of physical activity. She loves it. She talked about on the podcast how when she was a student, she would ride her bike everywhere and drive some of her study mates crazy because she didn't like to stay seated for so long. She would just get up and do something for 10 or 20 minutes, which is really what all this is suggesting that we need to do. But because she's so physically active herself, she definitely recommends it for her patients, which she has sent to us many, many times. She has suggested what they need to do. And as we talked about on the podcast, we'll even model how to do a proper squat. And then finally, my last physician I had, the first one I interviewed was Dr. Haynes. And she comes from a background of sports where her father was in the 1976 Olympics. And she ran track at Louisville and has stayed physically active ever since. And she's definitely an advocate for exercise. So I do believe there is a ton of truth to the fact that if physicians are staying busy, they're going to recommend that for their patients. But, you know, all we can do is hope that's the case with our own physicians. And, uh, you know, if not, you know, that's still not an excuse for any of us to not do it when the research is out there. So my question to you is, why aren't you doing it if you're not doing it? Why? So if we need 150 minutes a week to start to get these benefits from exercise and the American College of Sports Medicine does go on to say, you know, 300 minutes is better, you know, but then after that, there is a point of diminishing returns. So we don't have to go crazy. But, you know, say five hours, seven days a week within a um, seven day week period is a pretty full amount of exercise where you're probably going to get most of the benefits you're ever going to get from exercise. So why aren't we doing half that? Why are some of us struggling to do the 150 minutes? And I'm not sitting here up on a podium lecturing like I'm better than anybody because, you know, I'm not. I just do it because it's very important to me. So I got up this morning probably around... A little bit after five, I think, and I had a cup of coffee. I drank a 20-ounce cup of water with an electrolyte because I like to start my day with that. I read a couple different uh, little meditational journal things, and then I journaled just slightly, and then I had to, uh, you know, get Hazel out on her walk, and lately, man, she's been 
fighting me. She's reminding me of you guys who won't do these 150 minutes. You know, she's been like, first she jumps up on the couch and she like, um, kind of like buries herself in there. And then like, if I get her down from the couch and then she runs and gets on her bed, it's just strange in the morning. And I've been, you know, wondering, is she afraid of the dark? I really don't know. And when she gets going, she's fine. And she's a fit, active dog and she likes to go a good mile, but it's been strange getting her out of the house. But in any event, that's the morning routine. And then I come back and I got on the treadmill for another 35 minutes or so. And I did some more vigorous uh, cardio, you know, walking Hazel's more light cardio. Then I did a strength workout and then I cooled down on the treadmill for five. And then before I came in, I, I did some yard work very briefly which I don't necessarily include in the physical activity. But the point is, like, all this stuff I like to do, it changes my mood. I like to sweat. I mean, I don't like to be suffocatingly hot during a workout, but I definitely like to get a good sweat. But that's irregardless. So if you don't like to sweat, if you do like to sweat, it doesn't matter. My question is, why don't you like to get in the physical activity? Some statistics show that people don't know, like the the vanity reasons, right? So they know that. I think almost everybody knows that. I can remember being in my early 20s when I would help my friends run their gym in New Smyrna. I would open up for them. I would, you know, basically just watch the place so nobody stole equipment because it's not like it was a moneymaker or anything and maybe watch the cash box. But, you know, I mean... People would come in that didn't ordinarily work out. And I mean, this is in the 80s. And the first thing they'd say is, you know, I want to tone my arms. You know, I want to look better. I want my pants to fit better. So like even in the 80s, we knew working out was good for vanity reasons. We absolutely knew that. And we've learned so much since. So people know it for that reason. And then I think what happens is people do believe that working out is good for weight loss. Um, but now there's more research out and people are starting to understand, which is the truth. And I wrote a whole book about it, which says you can't outrun a poor diet. So maybe some people are staying away because it doesn't lead to the weight loss results that they want. If they're not dieting, if they're eating right, I should say, and exercising, they're absolutely going to see the results they want. But maybe they're not going to the gym because they were going to the gym, not fixing their diet and wondering why they don't lose weight. Those are my theories. But what people have to understand is going to the gym and exercising is good all onto itself. Like we need to kind of drop the vanity thing is fine. I mean, that's okay if it gets you there. But I mean, if you're seeing that that isn't working, then, you know, it's really important for you who want to be healthy and want to do what you want to do, whatever that might be, to understand that the statistics are showing that not exercising is impacting your health. And maybe if more people realize that, they would go to the gym. So that's kind of what the experts are saying now. The people that I you know, study and then report back to you are basically saying that they believe that people are just not aware of the health effects of physical activity. You know, everybody sees on the news every once in a while, which, you know, for the most part is nothing but a toxic thing anyway. 
And I don't know that they do anybody any justice when they show that 108-year-old man who, you know, is still smoking a cigar, drinking whiskey, um, a little bit overweight, and has never exercised a day in his life. And, you know, I just made up this fictional character. But we all know that we've seen these stories or heard these stories. And then people say, see... You know, that, that we don't need to exercise. Look at uh, Uncle Charlie, you know, look what he did. It's like, do you know how rare and few and far in between the Uncle Charlies are? I mean, sure, they're out there every once in a while, you know, just like there's people out there. You look at them and you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, how are they still walking around? Of course, but they're anomalies. But the research is very, very clear. People that live physically active lives are healthier. And the statistics are showing it, and it's showing it in areas that maybe we didn't even understand before. You know, I think we understood heart disease a little bit, you know, and maybe diabetes, but now cancers and other things. And, of course, we already know that it's physically active people that can ward off osteoarthritis better than people who are inactive, which goes against the grain, thank God, of what people used to think. Oh, don't run. It'll cause arthritis. Well, no, the opposite is true. Sitting around causes arthritis. All right. So these are the stats. And again, drop me an email if you have any questions. I'm happy to send you these statistics so you can show them to family members who might be resistant or friends. And now I want to thank our second sponsors, Overhead Door of Daytona Beach. Zach and Jeff Hawk are the actual professionals in the area. They're the owners of this great company and they give you great customer service. There's no question about that. Zach, the son, the younger one, Jeff, still a fit young man himself, but we see Zach all the time hustling and bustling, you know, showing up potentially a little late because he just had to go to a a sales call or just had to go to a person's house to address an issue. And here's the owner of the company coming to make sure everything's okay. And that's what you get when you get locally owned companies. They can be reached at overheaddoordaytona.com. Stay well.